Hello and welcome to the Analytics FC podcast. I'm John McKenzie, Head of Content, and this week I spoke to Alex Farnell, an economics researcher at the University of Lancaster, looking into labour markets and issues to do with personnel, specifically using data from professional sports to illustrate. We focused on his work investigating the contribution of head coaches to the success of football teams, and whether changing coaches brings the desired change to performance. His other research includes looking at discrimination in the market for NFL coaches and looking at how fatigue and multitasking contribute to the in-game decline in performance of baseball pitches in MLB. Here's what Alex had to say. Alex, hello. Hello, John. Thanks for having me on. You're an academic working in economics. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up looking at coach performance in particular. Yeah, that's right. So I'm uh, currently studying for my PhD in economics up at Lancaster. And my research looks into various issues to do with labour markets, to do with issues around personnel. But I use sports data to look at all those kind of things. Sports is actually a great way to inform a, a lot of thoughts in economics because of the availability of data. So you know, it's probably the only industry in the world where we know the face of every player and we have rich information about their performance, about their characteristics, so their various experiences in the past, for example. And all that makes it a really attractive setting to inform economics. And one particular area of economics that we're interested in is looking at the impact of leadership, looking at the impact of bosses. So we use football data, we use football clubs, football managers to inform about the impact of bosses. Preparing for this interview, I was lucky enough to watch a few presentations you gave read a few papers that you gave as well and one of the most interesting aspects of your work to me is just how extensive the body of literature is that covers that notion of leadership and management from a more generally economics angle could you give us a short overview of the field when it comes to the issue of coach impact because I think for a lot of us in the football industry we won't have any idea about that side of the literature it's broadly linked to managers more generally. So as sports economists, we would tend to think about the role that a head coach plays as being similar to the role that a CEO plays for a more regular firm. They're hired by people more senior in the organization than them, so owners or directors, and they're hired to carry out the day-to-day running of the business or the head coach, obviously, the football club. There's actually quite a few similarities in terms of characteristics as well. So they tend to be, on average, about the same age as CEOs. They tend to have a pretty high media presence. And they also obviously have to satisfy a lot of stakeholders. There's a lot of similarities between the head coach and the CEO. And that's kind of where we position ourselves into how we would sell this more generally. But in terms of sports specifically, the evidence actually isn't that glowing for head coaches. And the evidence would suggest that if you make a head coach change, then they don't really make that much difference, which is kind of strange because you would imagine that there would be lots of reasons to believe that they could make a difference. If you're the the owner of a club and, and you're looking at potential candidates to replace the head coach at the moment, then you should have a whole array of statistics that you should use. So you can look at their past performances, you can look at successes they've had at previous clubs. And so you should be able to make an informed choice about who you bring in under the assumption that if you're not happy with the current candidate, then someone else is going to come in and do better. But on the other side, there are lots of reasons to maybe be a bit fearful if your club is changing the head coach. And amongst them is that head coaches differ quite a bit in terms of their ability. So we can think about an ability distribution. And there are going to be some coaches who are very good. There are going to be a lot of coaches who are just kind of average. And you would imagine that if you're not a particularly good coach, then the industry would find that out pretty quickly and you wouldn't end up getting another job. And this was kind of alluded to by um, a Finnish economist called Marco Turvio. 
Then it was tested for the case of English football by Thomas Peters and Stefan Szymanski, two sports economists. And what they found is that teams actually have an incentive to employ experienced managers, but managers who are perhaps middle of the road in terms of ability. So they're not bad managers by any means, but they're not going to set the world alight. And so what this means is that we tend to see the same managers just being recycled between different football clubs, whereas the best ones, they're already going to be in a job. But what this means is that there are potentially some very good managers out there, but they're inexperienced. They haven't had a job yet. And we can't observe that experience until they've actually had a job in the first place. So what this means is that we get a lot of potentially able coaches who it's just too risky to employ because you can't observe that ability until they've actually had a job. And this is an inefficiency that exists in the market for head coaches. You know, other reasons that head coaches might not make much of an impact, you know, just because they've had success elsewhere doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into success in another club. In economics, we refer to this as a kind of a matching argument. There might be cultural differences, particularly if you move across borders, move across leagues, or it might just be simply that you don't have the right players there to fit in your system. So reasons both ways to think that managers might or might not make a difference. You've mentioned a couple of economists there who've talked about this problem in the past. What was it about this problem of how coaches perform that made you want to return to it? So I think a lot of the previous work has looked at average effects and the effect on average is that coaches don't have much of a difference. But what we wanted to do from this is we wanted to look beyond that average because you know we've just been speaking about reasons why coaches might make a difference and reason why coaches might not make a difference. So we believe that there are potential circumstances where if we dig into that average, there are going to be coaches who do make a difference to team performance. There are also going to be some cases where we don't see any difference. And there are also going to be circumstances where we see coaches actually come in and, and they do worse than they were doing before. So that's really what we wanted to do from this bit of research. So we have a much larger sample size than a lot of previous work. We look at 15 seasons of data, which is a much longer time span than, than any others. And we have four leagues. So we look at France, Italy, Germany and Spain. And we look at the top two tiers from those countries. So it ends up being something like 90,000 matches that we've got to analyse and something in the region of about 2,000 coaching changes that we've got during that period. And because of that larger sample size, we're also able to distinguish between dismissals, so the head coach being forced out, and also quits, which we normally think about as being the coaches poached from a different club, so they're hired from outside. And our data is big enough to be able to be pretty confident of getting effects for both of those different types of exits. Well, let's talk about that paper. That paper is titled Special Ones, the Effect of Head Coaches on Football Team Performance. Let's start by just talking about the baseline approach that you took in your paper. What was it that you were trying to achieve with it? What was the basic methodology of it? So in terms of methodology, we had two separate methods that we were looking to use. One is, we call it a naive approach. It's called an OLS regression, which stands for Ordinary Least Squares. And that's basically the, the most basic tool that economists or statisticians or whatever have to analyse the relationship between two variables or two or more variables. So in our case, that would be looking at points per game and whether or not teams who change managers have a higher points per game than teams who don't, or is it the same or, or is it lower or whatever. And we can also control for other things that we think will impact team performance. So we can look at the number of games they play at home during that period, previous team form, opposition form, anything else that we think might impact current team performance beyond just a head coach change. But the main problem with that is that head coaching changes happen for a reason. So they're not random. And when things aren't random, that means that we can't uncover what we want to, which is a causal relationship. So all we can uncover from an OLS regression is a correlation. 
And as we know, just because you have a correlation, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be any causality there. Just to give a kind of a parallel, if we were running a drugs trial, for example, and we wanted to look at the impact of a new drug on health or whatever, and we had a sample of, let's say, 20,000, and we gave everyone over 50 the drug, and we gave everyone under 50 some kind of placebo. So if we saw that the drug was making a difference, then we would not really be able to say with any confidence, is it the drug or is it just that we gave it to over 50s? Is there something about over 50s that happens differently? Whereas if we'd randomized that drug to everyone in the sample, then we would be more confident because on average, the characteristics of these people were going to be the same. And if we saw a drug making a difference, then we could say it's the effect of the drug because on average, the characteristics of these people are all the same. So it's the same when we come to look at head coaches. The teams that sack their head coach are different in some cases to teams that don't sack their head coach. And normally that difference is performance. So actually, if we look at the 10 games before a head coach leaves, then the points per game for these teams drops from something like 1.3 points per game down to about 0.6 points per game. Whereas if we were looking at teams who stick with their manager, then their points per game is relatively similar. So if we were to see an effect just by looking at these correlations, then we wouldn't necessarily be able to say with any confidence, is it the new head coach that makes a difference? Or is it just that they were performing worse before, and then they just go back up to where they were performing originally? So what we have to try and do is we have to try and somehow mimic randomness in the data. We have to try and make the data look like these coaching changes happened at random. Or in other words, we had to try and make these teams who experienced head coach dismissals and these teams that didn't look the same in terms of their performance. And this is where this other technique comes in that's called entropy balancing. Now, entropy balancing is a bit of statistical trickery, and it applies weights to the data or certain games in our data or certain runs of games to make them look like these spells that ended in a dismissal to make them look like they didn't end in a dismissal. And this way, we've now got teams or runs of games that look the same, other than that some ended in a dismissal and some didn't end in a dismissal. So these background characteristics, if you like, are the same. And the only difference between these spells of games now is that some experienced managerial change and some didn't. And that allows us then to uncover this causal relationship that we're after. So in terms of the results that the data show, does changing a coach change the fortunes of a club? Unfortunately, not really. So even with this different methodology that we've tried, on average, the effect is still zero. There might be a little bit of something going on at the very start of the managerial change. So in the two or three games after, this is what we call the motivational bump. So this is when players, if they've not been playing well for the previous manager, might think, oh, hang on, I've got to up my game a bit here or else I'm going to be dropped. And that's something that's quite common from the literature. We do see maybe an improvement in the first two or three games. But after that, it just tends to go back to zero effect and performance tends to go back to where it was before. But what we wanted to uncover was kind of in relation to the theory, think about there are going to be some cases that coaches do benefit performance and there are also going to be some times when coaches don't benefit performance. So the next step was to try and uncover circumstances where that might be true. And we do a couple of different tests with the data to look at those cases. One thing we do is we look at teams who stuck with their head coach for the next 20 games after the first coaching change. It's actually surprisingly common, particularly in Italy and Spain, that teams go and change their head coach again within 10, 15 games or whatever. And so by doing this, by looking at teams who stuck with their coach for the next 20 games, we were presumably trying to capture some teams who were happy with their new coach in terms of performance, in terms of play styles, whatever. And actually, when we come to look at this, this is when we start to see some positive effects emerging. So over about a 20-game spell, we start to see 
a positive contribution of the new head coach of about 0.1 points per game. So it doesn't sound like much. You know, what's that 0.1 times 20 would be the, the overall effect for that period. But so often we see teams missing out on Champions League places or surviving by just a point. And in that case, then you'd say, okay, that managerial change worked out pretty well. So that's one of the cases that we look at. Now, that's not to say stick with your head coach, whatever. That's definitely not what we're saying, because sometimes it would be more beneficial to change your head coach again. But what it highlights is the importance of getting the head coach change right in the first place. So finding a coach that matches your play style or matches certain players maybe that you've got and you want, I don't know, you want your striker to get scoring goals again or you want to plug a leaky defence or something. So it's about getting the head coach higher right in the first place and taking your time to get that head coach higher right. I want to talk about the ramifications of this, but before we do, I just want to talk a little bit about the basic approach that you took. You were working with largely what I would call results data. So you talked about points per game and working out everything on that basis. Obviously, in the football industry, we're using much more granular data, things like expected goals, for example, or even expected threat models. Do you think that the results of your project would change if you started looking at this more underlying data? And would it be easy for you to just change those parameters and and use that data instead, do you think? I think it's a really good point. Yeah. And, you know, so often we see managers being asked, do you want results or do you want performances? The one thing I would say on that is that when we look at what factors determine dismissals in the first place, then performance is the biggest determinant of dismissals. And actually performance relative to expected performance, which we can speak about in a second, um, they are the biggest determinants of whether you get fired or not. So there could well be something going on with individual games where you might be lucky or unlucky. So often we see teams peppering shots at the goal and the goalkeeper comes up with one of these wonder games and you come away with a one-all draw or something. And other teams might get lucky and have very low expected goals and and come away with a lucky 1-0 win. So perhaps over very short periods of time, we might see differences. If we look at individual games, maybe the first two or three games after a managerial change, we might see differences if we were to look at expected goals or expected threats rather than points. But my feeling would be that over a long enough time period, and we look at 20 games into the future, is that those luck or unlucky circumstances would even each other out and that over a long enough period, we might not see that much difference. The majority of people who listen to this podcast will be in and around the football industry. So I'm interested in what you would say to those people listening that can be learned from this study. What is it that the football industry in particular can learn from this study? The main thing that we wanted to get out of this was the importance of finding the right coach in the first place. So I think so often, you know, we see teams seemingly having a replacement lined up even before the other guy is gone, which just seems that you know, this guy's been in their mind for a long time, how much time have they really taken to consider other potential replacement coaches? So I think from an economics point of view, we would talk about this, the quality of the match, the quality of that employment relationship, and maybe taking your time, maybe finding something a little bit different to what other teams are doing. The other thing that we find is that it's actually more beneficial to replace your coach during the off season. So if possible, if you can wait until the off season, head coach contracts tend to be on a you know, maybe a one or two year rolling deal. And so if you can wait to the end of that contract where you don't have to pay them a severance package, then that would also seem to be more beneficial. Because actually when we look at coaching changes that happen mid-season, in many cases we actually see negative effects rather than zero effects. And if we look at coaching changes that happen during the off-season, then 
in the following season, the first couple of games, that's when performance starts to pick up. So if you can wait to, to the end of the season, then that would also seem to be beneficial. And that makes sense because you know, that's when coaches would have time to work with their squad without the worry of competitive games. They can gel in any new players that they want, gel in any new tactical systems that they want. And so that makes sense that we would see positive changes occurring after the off-season. I guess another thing that I would be interested in is outliers. So obviously in your data set, you're not always going to see that dropping off of points per game for every manager who's dismissed. Does anything stand out in your mind? Is there a lot of evidence that clubs are sacking managers who they shouldn't really be sacking on the basis of the points per game? Yeah, definitely. There are a couple of circumstances. I can think off the top of my head, Antonio Conte, when he was at one of the Italian second division teams, and also Fabio Capello at Real Madrid. These seemed like harsh dismissals because their performance was pretty good and actually their performance was above expected performance. I've mentioned this expected performance thing. I should probably explain what I mean by this. We use bookmaker odds to form expected performance. It's something that's been done in in the last couple of years in this literature. We know bookmakers are pretty good at predicting outcomes and so we can use these bookmaker odds, convert them into probabilities and then this gives us expected performance and so any points that are above or below this expected performance is then a good indicator of how they've been performing. I mentioned Antonio Conte, Fabio Capello, they were all performing above expectations when they were dismissed. But the majority of coaches, when they are dismissed, are performing below expected performance. Does anything show up interesting in those replacements? Do the managers who replace them go on to be worse? Or could you not say that from the data that you have? No, we can uncover coaches or specific teams that are very good at doing this. It gets a little bit noisy if we were to look at specific coaches at specific teams. But off the top of my head, teams like Werder Bremen did pretty well from all this. There were a couple of clubs that were in the second division of Italy and Germany, so I can't remember them off the top of my head. But there were a couple of teams like Fortuna Dusseldorf who didn't do too well from this. But there are definitely differences that emerge from all this. I guess I'm interested in the practical ramifications of this study for the commercial side of the football industry do you think your study would be able to be utilized in some sort of model that would allow clubs for example to know whether or not it was worth firing their manager or not could there be any sort of interesting practical implications from this study in that regard yeah i think so i think with a certainly with a little bit more elbow grease into this then we could certainly uncover some kind of model where we could predict when is the right time to fire or who is the right person to bring in at the moment we would say Take the time to find the right coach. Don't be afraid to, to take your time, find us something a little bit different. And if you can, wait to the end of the season. We should also weigh up the possible costs of firing. So if there is a severance package, is that really worth paying, even if you're just going to get you know a one-point advantage over a 20-game period, for example? So it very rarely works out. What I think would be interesting and where we could start to inform industry is if we were to look a little bit more about replacement coach characteristics what characteristics are associated with coaches being more successful at particular teams this is quite difficult because it it again links to this non-random nature of who teams are bringing in right they bring in particular coaches for a particular reason and so we can't just go and look at okay these teams brought in someone who is an ex-player they brought in the under 21 coach so it's it's really difficult to to look at that from a correlational point of view but if we were able to uncover in more depth about what features of a new coach are successful, then this is when we'd really be able to, to start informing industry with this. What would you say is the next step in the field for assessing coach impact? Where is it that we go from here? So on the one hand, I think is uh, what I've just been alluding to is looking at that differences in head coach characteristics, what characteristics are associated with 
more success at football clubs. But I think also looking at cross-country differences could be interesting. There are cultural differences within countries. There are different ownership structures. So in Germany, they use the, the 50 plus one fan ownership rule. So there are going to be cross-country differences, labor market differences that might exist. I think that's an interesting way to go. And also to look at why coaches who change during the off-season make more of an impact than coaches who change mid-season. And we could look at, for example, access to the transfer market, how efficient are coaches at accessing the transfer market, or how efficient rather are their directors of football, because we're looking at European football clubs are accessing the transfer market. Digging into those differences and digging into different head coach characteristics is going to be the, the way that this literature moves forward. Well, Alex, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having me on. So that was Alex Farnell, an economics researcher at the University of Lancaster. His collaborative paper on head coaches is titled Special Ones, the effect of head coaches on football team performance, and it can be found online at www.iza.org. We'll be back next month with another interesting guest, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, and check out all the content that is going out from Analytics FC on our Twitter account, at Analytics FC. Goodbye.